This morning, for the rest of the summer, we're going to be focusing on a series, and it's around the traits and the personality of who Jesus is. And so, uh, you know, here's why. There's a lot of people that have a lot of ideas about Jesus, but most of them aren't based on Scripture. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's like most are based on tradition, hearsay, religion, and they're not even from the Bible. And so, this, you know, we're going to take a look this week and the, these next few weeks for the summer, and we're going to look at different traits of Jesus. What do you mean by that? My goal in this series is for you to know Jesus more. I want you to love. I want you to learn to love Him. Uh, you know, fall in love with Him. How do you want to fall in love with Him? And when you see Jesus for who He is, you'll never be the same. That's my desire for this series. And so, you know. Uh, so get your notes, and I want you, I want you to I just want you to go to First Corinthians in chapter two. It should be in your notes, verse one. And I'm going to be reading from the message this morning, which I I enjoy reading the message. It's a great version of the Bible, and I think sometimes when I use the message, uh, it just expounds on things really what you want to say. And it just says this. It, it says, "You'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you." I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophies. And let me just stop right there. That's where a lot of churches are today in America. They want to share with you the latest philosophy. And I love what he says. I just come here and I don't try to polish something up. I'm just here to present to you Jesus. And see, he says this. And he says, this is, I deliberately cup it plain and simple first, Jesus, and who he is. Then Jesus and what he did, and Jesus crucified. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this morning that you would use this message, not just to get in our heads. Because, Lord, we're so full of knowledge and stuff. Lord, I pray that you would get it in our hearts this morning. That we would see you for who you are. I pray that, God, that you would just open our eyes this morning. Let, let, our, let us get Jesus' contact lenses that we begin to see you like we never saw you before. Strong and mighty. Able to deliver. Able to save. Able to perform incredible things. I just pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, during this series, we're going to do something in this series. And what I want to do today, we're going to talk about, and I want to start it out. And if you're looking for a title... Jesus is, here's the title, Jesus is my best friend. You know, a lot of times, you know, how many of you, maybe you have nicknames in your family that, that you call your kids or people that you know that got nicknames? Come on, everybody got a nickname. My wife and I have nicknames for each other when we, we're, we're trying to be, how can I say, romantic toward one another. Uh, if you want to really know, should I tell them? Do you mind me telling them, baby? No? Okay. I won't say it. I mean, anyway. But, uh, you know, the thing is, is that they're, they're endearing to us. It's special to us. When we sign it up, we sign that thing. We've done that since we dated. And that was before texting. That's before cell phones. That's in letters. Okay? And we still have the box of letters somewhere in our attic that we corresponded to each other for different times we were separated. And so, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, it's like nicknames do two things. I think they do two things. The first thing they do, it brings you closer. It makes you feel like you're closer or it's enduring to that person. I know with my kids, they have different nicknames. 
that I come. I have a story series that I do with Luke and Libby, and it's it's about them, but I have names for them, and it's their nickname. I'm not telling you those names, because Libby would not appreciate it. But to her, it's enduring. And you know, it's special. We call them those things. I mean, I know that um, Roxanne, she's not here this morning, but her, her stepfather, he had gone through, uh, his name's Potato. And and I was just like, you know, first time I met him, the first time I ever met him, he'd come to church before, but I met him in, sitting in a chemo chair. And he went through chemo. And I don't know why he got the name. I don't know if he was speaking, I know he's a big hunter, maybe he was speaking ducks, sweet potatoes. I don't know. That's illegal. But anyway, back in the day, they used to do that. And I, I'm not saying that's how I got the name, okay? I don't I have another friend that called him, and he's not here this morning. He's called Six Pack. You know, and, and I go, I was talking to my son Andrew, and he said, Pack made me back. I don't know. And I mean, I don't know. There's just, I don't know why I got it. Maybe drink a six pack too much. I don't know. But Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. But there's just different things and reason people have different names. I know it describes people better. I remember I had a guy in, uh, in school, his name was Chris Domain, and we used to have this teacher, he was my favorite coach, and he was a teacher at Cathedral Carmel when I was there, and I remember he just, he said, you know, he said, my name is Coach A.J. Maloney. He said, you can call me Coach Maloney, you can call me Coach A.J., you can call me Mr. Maloney, you can call me Mr. Mr. A.J. Maloney, he went through everything you could do. He said, but no one ever called me A.J. And I remember, forget, Chris Domain stands up in the middle of P.E. right when he gives it out of church. He goes, okay, A.J. He got paddled for that. That's what you could do that, corporal punishment. And so, you know, for, for different ones of us, we have nicknames. You know, my name, my name's Bubba, and uh, that's my nickname. That's as far as I go with that. Anyway. In Czechoslovakia, it means grandmother. In Espanol, in Spanish, it means retarded. So when I go to speak in, you know, Spanish speaking, they go, Pastor Bob. That's what they call me. No, we don't you think Pastor Retarded's coming. But in Africa, in Zulu, it means father. So I'm coming with the Zulu name this morning. So this morning, you know, Jesus... I, Jesus was given a name as well. If you look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 1, she shall give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is a common name. Have you ever been to a Mexican restaurant and Jesus or Jesus serves you? I love going to a Mexican restaurant and someone comes to you and they bring you the chips and the sauce and the food and you just go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You ever do that? <laughs> and so, you know, it's a great way to thank the Lord. I mean, there's, and, and so, but it's a very common name. And so, but in Matthew, verse 23, same chapter, verse 23, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Nickname. Come on. Which means God with us. They're celebrating so, something much more than Jesus saving us for our, our sins. That means, hey man, he's not far from heaven away. He is with us. Jesus is with us. And see, many Christians don't know him as Emmanuel. Up close. Personal. You see, Jesus 
skin on. He, he is fully God and fully man. I want to talk to you today about the one who's close up and personal with you. And I'm talking about my best friend, Jesus, this morning. He wants to be close up, real with you. Are you with me this morning? He wants to be right there with you. He's not so far off, busy, dusting, you know, dusting your house in heaven or, 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 or fixing asphalt, which is gold, streets. He's not doing that kind of stuff. He's Emmanuel. He is God with us. Look at your neighbor and say, he's with you. And the neighbor you tried to avoid all service, you too. He's with you. See, for John chapter 1 verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The Word. See, let me tell you why this is important. Jesus didn't just come and give us some rules and live to live by. And then when He, when he did, He died on the cross for our sins. Think about what happened. He spent most of His life not even preaching. From birth to 30, he spent his life experiencing the life you and I know. There was no healing. There was no miracles. There was none of that. He was living life. He didn't even exercise his miracle working power until he was 30. And the first time he did that, he turned, in Canaan, he turned water into wine in a wedding. This is not property. For 30 years, he, didn't, he could identify with you and me. He was a carpenter and he lived life. He worked in his dad's wood shop. He built things. He had to deal with customers. People didn't pay him for his work. He had to get up every morning just like you and me and go back. Imagine, you know, here he is. You know, he, that's what he did before he died on the cross. That's what he did before he did miracles. He worked hard. See, I love what Hebrews says. It says, Hebrews in the message. Look what it said. This is great. And this is what Jesus is doing right now. People, what's Jesus doing? Look what it says. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God as a high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have only already experienced all, all, it all he experienced it all himself. All the pain, all the testing, and would work and would be able to help where, where help was needed. In other words, some of you see him only in heaven, dying on the cross. But he's he's in heaven associated with what you and I walk through on a daily basis. Does that make sense? He wanted to make sure that when you go through something, he understood, he understood what you were going through. Have you ever gone through difficult moments? He's right there with you. He understands. You need to know Jesus is your best friend. See, I want to, I want, I want to, I want to, I want to comfort you, some of you, this morning. And someone, because I know that many of you maybe walked in here with pain this morning. Going through something. Someone, you can only comfort someone to the level of experience that you've had in your own life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What do you mean that? If you want to comfort someone who has cancer, unless you've experienced it, you really don't know. If you have someone, and I can relate to people like this, and I can relate to people that lose their parents, 
way before they should have, or they lose a loved one. I know how that is. I lost my father when he was 51 years old. That makes me go, wow, I'm 53. My dad was 51. I know I look like I was born. Like, I still have a baby face. You know, I know that. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You can turn the three and the five around if you want. And I understand when I've gone to funerals or I've gone to hospitals and people are going through something that I've experienced, I can say, I kind of know what you feel like. But Jesus says this, I know. I've gone through suffering. I've gone through things. I know what you're going through. How do I know that? Because, you know, there's absolutely nothing in life that, you, that you've been through or you will go through that Jesus doesn't understand firsthand. There's three things I want you to see that Jesus understands. The first thing is, he understands relationships. What do you mean, Pat? Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? Okay, Jesus had a family. We know that at least he had six. There was four brothers and his sisters. That means there was at least two. Okay, you with me? And he had a family. Now, if you have a family of six siblings, how many of you know that Jesus was at least duct-taped to the chair once in his life? <laughs> that they had drama. Come on. Mom, make him stop telling me everything I did last week. <laughs> He's doing it again. I, mean, I can't tell you how many times well, I could have lived six kids, and there's trauma. Tracy was reminding me, Andrew, he's not here, so I can pick on him. When he was young, he could scream louder than any child you've ever had. I remember one day, he was, I told him to put his shoes on, and he runs across the front yard, and I see it happen. And he steps on the beat, it stings him, he screams like a woman. And we're like, ah! You knew when he was hurt. He could just scream. Tracy, one day, when she called one day, she was literally changed overnight. I called the house one time, and I go, hey, and she thought it was a man that answered. He goes, who's this? This is Andrew. From, ah! Hello? <laughs> I mean, we've had trauma, living school. attracted to the other sex. 
the other sex. I mean, you go anywhere. The opposite of what you are. Hello. Anyway, I'll stop right there. He knows what it's like. You see what we're about? He doesn't know what it's like to be married and go through drama. Oh, yeah, he does. The Bible says the church is what? His bride. And he's the husband. He knows what it's like every day for everyone to ever go through. Imagine every day he sees unfaithfulness from his bride. Every day. He knows what it's like. He knows, you know, he knows when it when you have your best friends betray you when he was going to die on the cross. His best friends. He hung out with for three years. His buddies. You see, Mark chapter 3, verse 21 says, when his family heard about this, they went to take char charge of him, for he said, he is out of his mind. You know what he just done? He just cast the devil out of somebody. And his family is like going all, you know, they're all like, hey, what's up with you? The devil? The devil? Uh, let's get, I mean, after he cast the devil, they're going, he's just whacked. His natural brothers and sisters thought that he was out of his mind because he was teaching people that he was the Messiah. How many of you, when you first became a Christian, that people said, you've been brainwashed. Tell them this is your response. My pastor said, if you would have known what was in my brain, you'd be glad that God brainwashed me. The second thing is, he understands life. He understands what it's like to have to get up, go to work every morning, and work hard. Jesus had a J-O-B. A job. You see, Jesus spent 18 years of his life as a carpenter. Okay, let me just explain something. When you were a Jewish boy, by the time you were 12, you were doing what your daddy did. So can you imagine from the age of 12 to 30, that's three times as much as what he did in ministry. He was working. Okay, Jesus wasn't soft. He wasn't a pansy man. Come on. He was tough and he didn't use a nail gun. He used a hammer. Okay? He had calluses. He had people that didn't pay for their bill. You imagine if you owe Jesus money? Hello? I don't know. I mean, golly, I wouldn't want that. You know, you, you go, imagine being Diana. You, he made a table for you. He never paid the bill. And you really believe that he was the Messiah. How do you make it right? You know what I mean? He had to pay taxes. That was just, pay taxes just like you.
You ever see a carpenter? Oh, I mean, you grew up around carpenters. I had uncles that were probably working with some of this stuff. I mean, after working with some of that's why I said, I don't want to do this. Ha! You know what I'm saying? I barely can cut a straight line. I can't cut a straight line. I try. I'm frustrated. You know? My asset is, why aren't you building me? I gotta overcome not cutting things straight. Anyway, y'all pray for me. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable, listen to what it says, to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Are y'all with me this morning? See, I'm trying to help you understand a trait about Jesus so you can relate to him differently. You see, if you believe he really understands let me just say, you're going to talk to him differently. You're going to worship him differently. You're going to respond to him differently if you understand that he understands you. And the third thing that I see, he understands pain. Some of you here today, and you walked in here with pain today, you walked in here carrying something. It's been very difficult. See, the hardest pain often at times is not physical pain. It's the emotional pain. You know, Isaiah 53.3 says, He was despised and rejected by man. A man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. It wasn't always love. Long before the crucifixion, he faced rejection. You imagine being on the playground? I don't know, from Bethlehem Elementary. <laughs> hey, you see that guy, Jesus? Him and his mommy and him weren't married before she had Do you know this about him? Imagine when he walked. He was trying to help people. And the very people that he was trying to help, the religious people, came for the sick, remember? But the people that he really wanted to help too to understand the heart of God, come on, they came against him. The priests and the lawyers. The lawyers are always trying to, you know, trying to trap him into a word or something. You know, I want to dedicate this part right here to every young person who's been rejected by their peers who's never been moved at playground. Or school. I promise you, listen, when I was a kid, I got kicked on a few times. Come on. Never fun. I remember when I was in seventh grade, we had the eighth graders at Cathedral. And what they would do is they'd pick you out for the crowd one day, and then what they would do is this is what they did. I mean, this, this is my Catholic education, okay? Just tell them what they did. I remember they'd find you and go, oh, get so and so. Then one day it was my turn. Get my can. And I ran, you know, they, and they, they came, they grabbed you, and they used to, what they used to do, hey, McCann, we can can it. And you know what canning is? They would get those 55-gallon drums and trash cans, and they would put you in it head first. Then they would spit on you. Okay? That's how you started school in the morning, if you were a 7th grader, and there was an 8th grader at Cathedral, Cathedral, okay? I don't think they do that anymore. The back of my day, that's before they worried about your emotions. I hated 
I mean, you got to get out of the trash can, you put the trash, they spit on you. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Fun, isn't it? I had one friend, they tied him to the fence. Maybe you're not smart enough. You're not athletic enough. You just don't fit in. You can reject. Let me just say this. The Bible says he's a man of sorrows. He was familiar with what something was all about. Isaiah 53, 5, he says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our nakedness. It, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we were killed. See, can you imagine in all the time of history, he went to earth when capital punishment was the worst. The crucifixion. He could have gone, let's go America right now. Let's go to your yearnings. He said, no, Lord. Yeah, Father, I want to go in this time. They ripped his skin. They nailed him, his hands and his feet to the cross. I want them to know there isn't, listen, there isn't a pain that, they, they, that they're going to go through that I don't understand. Does that make sense this morning? Next time you're in pain, you're in stress, you're hurt, he understands what you go through. He was a man and he understood and he, he went through different pains. He understands your pain. He understands your rejection. He understands life. He understands everything you go through. He's well acquainted with all of our ways. Jesus qualifies to be your best friend. He identifies everything you go through. Can you imagine the Bible says he's our advocate in heaven that when we're going through something, how many of you ever blown it? He said, he'll look at fathers. He's got, Father, Dad, that's hard. That's difficult. Can we help them? Can we give them strength? Oh, God, Father, Dad, please don't let, let we need to, come on. How do you know God knows what you need even before you ask? I found that out this weekend. My wife and I gave my son a, a a wedding gift, and they told him he's got a truck, an 85 Dodge pickup truck. Okay? And we said, we just want to help you. And so the whole weekend, we were trying to him. I worked two days with him, and I'm not a mechanic, all right? But we did it. We got everything done. We've been helping other people. And, you know, I kept saying, man, I'd really like to get you some tires, too, man. You know? And so we go to Walmart, and we're looking at these good years, the size we need and everything, and they're $87 a piece. And while we're standing there, we're just, how I many of God knows what you need? And the guy comes up there and he goes, hey, uh, y'all look for some tires like that? Yeah, yeah, sure are. You know, get them mounted and they throw away the old tires. By the time they do, it was like $450, okay? Yes. And he goes, hey, y'all look for some tires like that? Yeah. I got four of them, just like that. They got less than a thousand miles on them. I'll sell them to you for $50 a piece. Can we get your name and number? Get his name, his number, and everything. Just go for it. So Andrew and I talked about it the next morning because we had a budget of one. So we'll call him and see if we can get him for like 35 weeks. 
So Andrew calls him and he says, hey, how about something for $35 a piece? And, oh, man, you know. He said, and Andrew's like, well, if you buy a used car to get it down, it's $30. He said, but I still got to balance them. I still got to pay for all this. And he said, I think you will. He said, I put them on for you and I'll balance them. I got all this stuff. He goes, Dad, what do I do? So, tell him what <laughs> Can I tell you, while we were sitting there, he was doing all that work with helping me and stuff. He started telling me, he goes, oh, yeah, I got all these tools from my grandpa. He shot me. All this stuff, you know, and then he started talking about the stuff. But then I found out he had cancer. There's no woman cancer right here. He said, Yeah, I didn't want to go to the doctor. So I need to do my nose. I said, Well, look, I got this. I had, you know, start talking about things. And then at the end, I said, At the end, I just go, Hey, I just want to tell you something. Thank you so much. I said, you don't know this, but God used you to help my son. I wanted a blessing, and God knew I wanted a blessing. And how many of you have people that walk up to you while you look at your tires? Come on, give me a break, people. Hey, you need some tires like that? Don't you? You're praying now, aren't you? Especially if you need tires. And all of a sudden, he goes, he goes thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Listen to me. We did... $2,500 worth of work on a vehicle, and it costs a fifth of that. that ought to, that's glory to God. But the whole time we're going, this is God. This God's going, we need to help Bubba, Pastor. Go, Daddy, we need to help Pastor Bubba. He don't, he's not a mechanic. Andrew's learning to be one. But we need to help him. Please, Lord. I mean, See, Proverbs says this, 18.24, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That friend is Jesus. Jesus is best friend. Hey, what should our response be, Pastor Bible? Let me do it quickly. I'm going to get you out of here. Here it is. This should be your response. You need to make Jesus, number one, your best friend. I'm not a Facebook person. I always tell people, hey, Pastor you got a Facebook page? No, I try to keep my face in the book, so I don't need Facebook. Anyway. And, so, and you know what? I think so for some of you, you need to change your relationship status to Jesus as BFF. G, you know, best friend forever. This is what heaven, you know, will be, the, you know, you know how you're going to determine? If Jesus said, he says, it in, I think it's in John 7, when he says, depart from me, I never knew you. We were never close. You called me when it was rescue 911. Hello, I mean, I help people in rescue 911 situations when their health had failed or something else had gone on in their life or that they were in the hospital and prayed for them and they believe God and when God does everything, then they forget God and you. You know what I'm saying? Knowing Him is God with us. Jesus, my best friend. See, John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. 
You're not some puppet in his little playground. He wants to be this, he wants that relationship like he has with his father that we have with him. How can you go to heaven and live there if you never knew him? I heard someone say one time years ago, he said, you know what, if you went to heaven and you never knew him, you'd be miserable. Because you'd be so miserable that you never served him while you lived on earth. So it would be hell in heaven. And he said, I think that some people will say, God, I don't deserve you. I, don't, I can't come in here. And I never I know it's a heavy, but anyway. Number two. Understands your life, your work, your pain. Talk to him. Stop being formal and just talk to him. I lay my head down to sleep. Lord, give me a stop that. It's not an event, it's a conversation, and it goes all day long. I woke up this morning, and can I tell you something?
so that you may receive mercy and grace and help us in our time of need. The thing I love about some of my children, not all of them do it, but some of them have. I could be counseling with somebody, I could be in the office at the church here, and they just walk in. Dad! They're not worried about who's there. Hi, hey, hey, George. Dad. God's saying, walk in to my presence and in your relationship with me with confidence. Jesus, here I am again. I don't know where you're out with this thing. I really need help. I have a lot of attitude. God, you've been dealing with me about my attitude. I said some things I shouldn't have said. I, I, I was just full of pride and arrogance. God, you've been dealing with me about that. And I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live in my flesh anymore. But I don't want to live by the fruits of the Spirit. Give me understanding. Give me patience. Get, help me to learn to suffer long. Give me faith to believe. Hello? I'm asking you to approach God, listen to this. You'll find three things here. You'll find mercy. How I many you want mercy? You want grace? And you need help! <laughs> you'll find it there at his, at his throne. When you talk to him, he will help you with mercy. He will give you grace. He'll give you something you don't deserve. See, a lot of us think, well, we'll get judgment. No, can I tell you something? You'll get a friend. You'll get a friend. That sits closer than a brother. See, we think, oh, he's up there with the rules. No, he's in a you know, fire! That's how we see it. Kind of like the Wizard of Oz. Really, the devil's like the Wizard of Oz. Oh, Dark feet. <laughs> Toto gets behind, you know what I mean? Put that behind it. Forget that power, forget that. I'm the great, the mighty. Oh. I hadn't seen it before, but I was And sometimes the Holy Spirit's like that little dog. That's what he looks like. The little guy. The Bible says one day we'll see for what he really is. But it will look, is that the worm? Is that the worm that destroyed nations? Is that the worm that destroyed my family? Is that the worm that destroyed my faith? Is that the worm that allowed pain to come in my life? Where was I? What was I thinking? Why did I go to my mighty God, to my friend that would help me and expose who he really looks like? I'm trying this morning. And the third and final thing is this. Trust Him with your life. Trust Him with your life. We read it, we study it. Next time, listen to me, look at me. See the whites of your eyes. Time to apply it. You know Him as Jesus. But never as a man. Not as a man of love. God with us. Can we just be still for a moment? The Bible says, but to all who receive him, this is what he says, 
He gave the right to become children of God. All they need to do was to trust Him to save Him. See, I believe this, and many times we just either come to that point where we make a decision to come to God, not to come join this church. You hear what I'm saying? But we commit to a relationship. 